Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. This is the first 2023 episode of Conservation Nation, and I am so thrilled to welcome you back to the show. We are not stopping anytime soon. We're hoping to break more records in terms of listenership and not have any shortage of unique content that you won't hear elsewhere. And we're going to start that this week, the first week of 2023. Today, I'm going to be publishing an update that I did with two Idaho stakeholders that I spoke to and got to know last summer through my trip to Idaho's Magic Valley, where I uncovered a lot of stuff, a really troubling proposal for a wind energy project that has the backing of the Biden administration in line with their goal of hitting 25 gigawatts of onshore wind energy. And the two individuals, Diana Nielsen, who is one of the founders of Stop Lava Ridge, and also Dean Diamond, one of the farmers we spoke to in today's newly released Conservation Nation episode, A Thaw Wind Blows in Idaho. That's the title of episode 12. And I wanted to have them on the show to debrief all of you about why this project is so concerning, the number of turbines, the questionable aspects of it, how much land will be required to construct this, how much materials, how saving the environment from itself using destructive means will actually have less of a benefit to the region and the problems it poses to wildlife corridors, what it'll do to a region that has been plagued by a lot of water shortages. This area and parts of, let's say, Dean's Ranch sit on the largest underground water aquifer in the world, arguably speaking, and what it'll have with that, farmland, and so much more. There are so many concerns to these wind projects. More and more in media are starting to pay attention and to highlight the inefficiencies and the cons associated with these projects. People in federal government have these arbitrary deadlines they want to meet, and they want to meet these goals of gigawatt power to with wind and solar, and there's a timeliness to it, and if we don't do it, we're going to be encumbered by the climate crisis, and all is going to be destroyed. But if you look to even examples, let's say, in the popular Yellowstone series on Paramount TV, which is one of my favorite shows, they're even inserting red pills, you could say, about the kind of paradoxes associated with these so-called clean energy projects and how much of a toll they'll take on local rural communities. And that's what's going to happen here if this proceeds. So we're grateful to Diana and Dean for coming on to elaborate more from our video. And that isn't going to be the only piece of my reporting. I have a town hall column kind of compiling everything together here. So we will keep tabs on Lava Ridge and I hope you pay attention too. And beware of projects like this that may sprawl in your backyard. Diana Nielsen, 
who is an activist and one of the key integral parts of Stop Lava Ridge. She was one of our guides throughout the month of August when we were there in Idaho's Magic Valley. Her appearance on the show coincides, obviously, with the release of Conservation Nation Episode 12. And while Diana wasn't in the video, she introduced us and connected us to all the stakeholders we featured. And it's wonderful to have her come on the show today to debrief us on Lava Ridge and what is at stake with this project. Diana, it's so good to have you on and catch up with you. Good morning, Gabriella. I'm so happy to be able to spread the word. What led you to take an interest in Lava Ridge as a regular citizen living in Southern Idaho, doing your day-to-day thing? What really triggered kind of your interest in wanting to stop this? I love my state of Idaho. I used to commute from Mackey to Twin Falls to work. So I have driven across that desert many, many times. The beauty and the mystique of going from the craters of the moon to down to Twin Falls, it's its a gorgeous area. Some people only see sagebrush, but I see wildflowers, wildlife, eagles, trumpeter swans, elk migration, pronghorn antelope. I mean, it was a, it was like dodging almost every trip to avoid hitting some sort of wildlife. The place is really special. I know having even spent just a little fraction of time there, you really got me and Madison Hughes, our videographer, really clued into the region. We love it. We always talk about going back and revisiting the region with you all. But it it really is a special place. And with Lava Ridge, I want you to talk about what Lava Ridge Wind Project is and why people outside of Idaho should be concerned about it and what really led you and many, many others in the region to oppose the project. So could you explain why that is and what it is? If you've ever come to Idaho on vacation and driven across the southern portion, you're going to lose Idaho You're not going to be able to do hunting in many of the units. You're not going to be able to see the dark skies. From the Magic Valley, there's a lot of dark sky area. We're still able to see the northern lights quite frequently here if you go to the dark sky areas. Also, the Milky Way, uh, the photographers, there are so many opportunities to do beautiful landscape photos here, the uniqueness of the craters of the moon. Also, you can go to the Minidoka internment site that's a national monument, historical monument. And you go there and it's hard to imagine the vastness and the isolation those people felt. We also had a huge influx of Basque people that came to sheep herd. So when you cross that desert, you will find rock cairns, old trails, grave sites, plus the wildlife and the lava blowholes. The the geology is phenomenal. And you see all these beautiful white-capped mountains in the background, the pioneers, the Lost River Range, the Lemhi Range, they're gorgeous. Plus, and the Sawtooths, they're America's 
playground, but we live here. It's our home. And what does Lava Ridge entail for those who are unfamiliar with the specifics of the proposed project? How many turbines across how many federal land acres? What is the environmental toll that this project would have on the region? The initial proposal is up to 76,000 acres, and they have an application into the state of Idaho for 4,000 of those 76,000 acres. On those acres, you have the uh, migration of the pronghorn, the elk, mule deer, and a vast amount of different birds. It's centered between several bird refuges, so they have to cross through there to get to the Snake River Plain or down to South America or Mexico, wherever those birds winter. Dean, are you on with us? You sorry. <laughs> okay, so the project is Lava Ridge. I'm sure you've been over it. It is 400, 780-foot towers that will span across like 78,000 acres. If you square it off, it's closer to 130,000 acres, um, which is just huge for our area. And it borders on all sides. You know, on one side, it's got the Minidoka National Monument. Like you mentioned in your video, you go up to the craters of the moon. You, you know, there's just a lot of really neat historical stuff that it borders up to. But even within it, there's a lot of uh, really important historical significant. It's public ground. That's one of the big differences between this and a lot of the a lot of the um, other wind projects I know of is this is by far the biggest one ever proposed to be on public ground. And I think that changes the scope of things of the money that comes into the community to the number of people that affect. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and you're, I remember from you showing us you your property sits really close to the Minidoka National Historic Site. I think you also mentioned that in also in the video that your uh, farm sits on, I think, one of the largest untapped water aquifers. That was your big contention with wanting or with opposing um, Lava Ridge. Correct. Um, my farm does sit really correct, but oh, within about a quarter mile where they locate the first tower, you know, they've got several alternatives and it depends on what alternative they they select as to exactly how far it's let, you know, um, approaches my farm. Um, the aquifer, yes, that sits. I mean, it's not just my farm that sits on top of it. This whole project sits right on top of that whole aquifer. And so um, I thought the video was really good with Brian covering it. Um, he, he mentioned some really good parts. But, yes, we're on a Lake Erie size aquifer. Um, and this whole project would be right on top of it. Could you both explain individually, of course, what the goals of Stop Lava Ridge movement are? What You guys have built up a grassroots army. I think several thousand individuals in the region. So Diana, first explain what led you and, and Dean and others to put your heads together and, and form this. Well, I'm for um, not only stop Lava Ridge, but stop Salmon Falls and stop Taurus. That will be a total of a thousand wind turbines on public land with all of the energy being funneled to Kaiso which is a California utilities company that will spread the power through California and Southern Nevada. Um, Idaho will not be Idaho if you're driving through huge wind turbine projects on Highway 93 and Highway 26 and Highway 24. 
um, they will be seen from from the craters of the moon to Hagerman. I mean, the the visual of these tall wind turbines is oh, 35 to 50 miles, depending on your viewpoint. When you try, if you climb Mount Bora, the tallest mountain in Idaho, you will be able to see the wind turbine fields. Or if you climb almost any of the, the, we have several, like nine, 12,000 foot mountains, you will be able to see the wind turbine fields. It's just too big a prize. They're wanting all of this clean energy, but at the cost of the locals. To me, it's gentrification of rural America. They have, they do not care about the local citizens or the grazers or the farmers. Anyways, they, they have no vested, these big companies have no vested interest in the local community. They are, it's called gentrification of rural America. They do not care about the grazers, the tribal rights, the historical or archaeological sites. All they want is for their investors' portfolios, in my opinion. And when you travel through here, there aren't many states that have public land Many people don't even understand what public land is. When I went to Wisconsin to see my daughter, I couldn't believe if I wanted to camp or go someplace, I had to get permission or pay to camp. It, it's a whole different concept. And Dean, why was it that you joined the Stop Lava Ridge movement over Ellis Powers' um, obviously foray into Magic Valley, creating the Shell Company and just really kind of disrupting what is making the region so vibrant and so unique. So explain why your contributions and your involvement, if you can. Okay, like, like Diana said, um, I'm. we started with Stop Lava Ridge, and so we had to put the name because it was the first big project um, that we knew of. We're like, holy cow, we need to get going, and what's a good name? All of a sudden, we like, we need to stop Lava Ridge, and we kept saying that, and pretty soon that became our name. Um, we... As a as a group, we have decided that um, our our official stances were against all these projects on public ground. Now we all have our opinions on private ground, um, and I still I think that is a little bit of a different issue. I'm not saying I'm in favor of them. I'm saying it's a little bit of a different issue. So as far as Stop Lava Ridge goes, we have decided to put it on public ground that uh, that the public deserves to have equal access. You know, we're all paying taxes. This is supposed to be public you know it's almost like going to these guys and saying what part of public ground don't you understand we're all supposed to be able to go out and enjoy this ground um i personally have bought a farm right next to public ground thinking that that would protect my view shed my um you know there's so many i have a hard time talking about windmills because i get so mad and it goes off into so many different tangents and i going on and on and on forever and my involvement come, you know, when I first heard it, my neighbor comes and said, hey, they're going to put the wind farm next to you. Yeah, whatever. You know, and a few weeks later, he back and he says, you know, it's supposed to be a pretty good size one. In fact, one of the biggest ones in the world. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, this is starting to sound a little bit more, but I'm still pretty casual about it. 
we go in to go home and Google it. And I start researching a little bit more. And you're like, holy cow, this is a big deal. This is going to change our way of life. This is going to, we got a, we got a really neat place right here in the Magic Valley. And um, I got a hold of um, John Arkush and, and we started talking a little bit, you know, and he's like, man, this is how it's going to affect my cattle. It's going to affect me this way and this way. And got a hold of the friend in Adoka, you know, and they're sitting there looking at the camp and it's going to affect us this way and this way and this way. And my eyes every time just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger because this is a big deal. This is really going to to mess up and change a, a really, a really neat part of paradise that, that we do have. And, you know, they come in and they say the lifespan's 25 to 30 years. And I think it's going to be forever. It's going to alter. It's going to scar this, this landscape forever. And even if it is 20 or 30 years only, well, that's the rest of my life. And, um, I just, it just is not, a, it's the wrong place, wrong time, wrong product. It's just not a good fit for here in Idaho. And, and I get so frustrated with, and I, I tended to be that way too, but people don't get involved until it actually affects them. And I get so frustrated with people that just sit and say, oh, it's going to be a few miles away from me. Yeah, so what? I see a red light every once in a while. Who cares? And it's just a lot more than that. This thing this thing is going to really, really, really scar the face of the Magic Valley. And it's going to change my way of life. It's going to change the way I farm. It's going to affect the value of my farm. It just, it's just not good. And, and then the only chance we have to stop it, you know, Diane and I are working on a $10 budget and they're working on a billion dollar budget, you know, and, and so the only, only chance we can, we have is to all band together and, and, and really go after it to try to try to protect what we love. Even with the, I would say building opposition to Lava Ridge and the similar twin projects like Salmon and Taurus that you've mentioned, and, and you guys talked to us about when we were there on the ground it seems like the Biden administration is eager to proceed specifically the Department of Interior, which oversees uh, management of lands. And they have an they have a goal, explicit goal of using, I think, 25 gigawatts or developing 25 gigawatts of onshore wind energy by 2025, which is a ridiculous, arbitrary goal. It's never going to be met given the shortcomings of wind energy. But they're expected to issue an environmental impact statement, which is why I wanted to bring you both on to talk about this. It's, it's so timely. And then once that will be issued on January 13th, the public will have 60 days for public comment. Do you think even with opposition building from different stakeholders, will the federal government listen or do you think they're going to proceed even with the 60 days for allowing comment, opposition or support? You know, how un-American is that? You know what I mean? I, that's all I can say to that is how un-American is that? I, I honestly agree exactly with what you just said. The locals have come forward and said strongly our politicians are coming in and backing us. I have to search far and wide to find somebody that is even in favor of this project. And when I do find them, they're like, oh, and as soon as you visit with them for a few minutes and you educate them on it at all, they're pretty saying, yeah, got some pretty good points. Maybe we don't want this. But yet the Biden administration up there, you know, my worst fear is, is we are are pushing and we've got we're our representatives trying to represent us and and senators and everything else and we're we've got it i think it's pretty clear that we don't want it here the people it's just the wrong fit it's the wrong time all that stuff and i am afraid no matter what the local blm does you know it you do got to feel for them guys a little bit because they're sitting here they got to live here too they're listening to the opposition but yet their bosses biden administration is pushing for it so i'm a little bit afraid no matter what they do the Biden administration is going to come in and and override it. And just how un-American is that? And and how wrong is that? One of the reddest states in the nation. 
And we're going to let a Democratic president come in and tell us what we can do on our ground. And I, boy, I, I really, really struggle with that. And I will, I hope, I hope that Idaho um, will stand up and not let that happen. You know, I'd call on our governor, our senators, everybody else to to come in and listen to the people because they say it's public ground, but everybody believes in local control. And um, a president just saying, this is where we want it to meet some legacy goal agenda that he's got. I personally believe that in 20 years, we're going to look back and think, really, people are going to look back and say, really, we thought that was going to be the answer to our problems. Um, no, I, 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 I don't know. That's my big concern. How about you, Diana? I'm concerned about that. Also, the companies coming in, LS Powers from New York City, and they're using the company Magic Valley Energy. Sorry. They're using the Magic Valley Energy name when they're not Magic Valley Energy. They're from the East Coast. Then Taurus, sorry. You're good. You're good. Continue. Continue. <laughs> then Taurus, that company, <laughs> they're Arivia Power out of California. Then we have um, Long Road wanting to come into the area, Orsted, Inved. I mean, there's all these different global companies coming in trying to push this on our public lands to the local citizens. It's it's just not right. We're we're David and Goliath here. We don't it's a unsurmountable fight we've taken on. I hope we can win. And you both had told me and all the other stakeholders we spoke to said that even though there's this talk about a lot of electricity that's going to be generated megawatts, maybe even gigawatts from this individual project. Ultimately, you all concluded from your research into how other projects like this have panned out, it will not ultimately be felt by Idahoans. This is going to go power California, Nevada, these people who like this but don't want it in their backyards. They're NIMBYs. Um, they're fine with pilfering red states with lots of arable land and, and federal lands that can have multiple uses, but they don't want it in their backyards anymore, but they want to exploit your guys' natural resources. So could you explain that dynamic, why it's going to be touted, why is it being touted as an Idaho-friendly project when that energy even, uh, with all this environmental toll that's expected, you're not even going to get the electricity generated. Correct. And, okay, so windmills are, what, 20% efficient at best? And, I mean, like on our cow herds, if we're only 20% efficient, that sucker's killed, you know? And anyway, so they start out being very inefficient, and then you run a power line for seven, eight hundred miles, thousand miles to get power to California. You know, simple electrician. I'm an electrician, but simple. You know, resistance times amperage times voltage, all that kind of stuff. And you have a huge power loss in the amount of power they get there. It's not about the amount of power they produce. It's about the amount of subsidies they can get to support it. And so um, the other thing that we've really got to look at is here in Idaho. And maybe I shouldn't say this on the radio, but here in Idaho, we really do enjoy um, uh, friendly power rates compared to the rest of the state. We're not paying nowhere near for our power what they are in California and whatnot. And as soon as they open up these lines and they get it flowing back and forth, they're going to raise our rates 
to match the rates that they can sell it for in California. Um, I mean, you got to look at the power company's point of view. They're they're going out there to to make money, and they're going to go to the highest bidder. So pretty soon, it's going to be driving our agriculture out of out of business and stuff. We don't. The people don't understand that about the uniqueness of of the way we farm out here. Uh, we're we're a hundred percent irrigated. You know, we are in a desert. Our annual rainfall is less than ten inches, and without irrigation, this thing would just be a dry, burned up desert. So we we pump water. We pump it either out of the Snake River or out of that aquifer, and we water our crops, and we rely on power to do all that. And as soon as they, you know, when you're on a on a system and they're trying to equalize it out, it's great if you're at the top, but it really is the pits when you're at the bottom on the, on the rates that you pay. And so they're going to try to bring, as they get this infrastructure built in so that they can take the power to California, no matter the, we're actually going to pay more for it because the loss is so much. And if they can go anywhere they want with that power, that's just going to increase our cost dramatically. And, you know, maybe I just don't like the idea of ruining our resources and using all of our resources to ship the power out of state to um, to another state that's created their own problems. And I'm not against green energy. I'm not against cleaning up the air and all that kind of stuff. But we really enjoy clean energy. We really enjoy clean air here in Idaho already. And why should we ruin our resources for them? Dan, do you want to add to that about how the you guys won't even see the benefits of this? It's, it's built as a you know state beneficial project, but it's going to be outsourced. Explain that kind of paradox more. Well, they believe they can throw a little bit of money at our communities compared to what they're going to gain and suffice the poor. And I don't know, they, they kind of have the let them eat cake mentality. Also, these projects are so large, they don't have to go through our public utility commission in the state of Idaho. They will bypass that. And that isn't the, they do have to lease state ground to to make these projects this big, which I'm against. But it's also difficult when our current governor is the chairman for the Western Governors Association. And so is California. And they're bigger and more powerful and Anyways, we need our state of Idaho politicians to back us, and I'm not seeing that. My conspiracy theory in there, Gabby? <laughs> you can. It's a podcast by all means. <laughs> well, you come back in and you look, and we're sitting here at the heart of the Magic Valley, okay? And um, we're, we just talked that when these people come in, they're basically going to have control on, on Lava Ridge alone of 130,000 acres after you square it off. Um, Salmon Falls is just as big, 70,000 something for the actual project squared off and it gets a lot bigger. Taurus is a little bit smaller, but it's the same, same type of footprint. But just on Taurus or on uh, Lava Ridge and Salmon Falls, that's all one company. And if we've tried, I ha we have dug into it and dug into it and tried to find out who the investors are. And that's a highly guarded secret, but we can find find foreign connections. 
The CEO is a Russian. He is from Russia. And we find it going back into Korea and stuff. And that I'm not making that part up. That is all fact. Um, we still can't find I've seen it. their investors are. But that, that's a real concern to me. So now you come out here in Idaho and you think, oh, what's the big deal? Well, we're given a foreign investor. Now we we look and with airplanes and jets and rockets and all that stuff, you know, that are traveling at extremely high rates of speed. We got Hill Air Force Base down there in Ogden. We've got Mountain Home Air Force Base um, up towards Boise. We've got Thaikal. We've got INEL. We've got, I mean, just go on all these big national um, security things. And we are giving foreign investors total access to ground and power grid. This substation, midpoint substation they're trying to get into is a huge access point to the power for all the West. And so let's give foreign investors access to all these places that are huge national security places and ground right in the stone throne of all them places. And it just does not make sense to me. I'm not a big fan of all these foreign investors coming in, buying up these farms and, and getting the ground, giving them anyway. I think it should be be a little more local. Um, but uh, just I, I, I just can't see how that's a good idea at all. <laughs> but I think you know. a lot of people are very concerned about farmland being gobbled up by Chinese owned companies. It could be the same of even foreign or European owned companies coming in and buying large swaths of land. They're doing this, Orsted, I think, Diana, you mentioned, they're doing yes. this with offshore wind. They're buying up large swaths of ocean land to be able to construct all these offshore wind projects. And those are actually being met on, challenged pretty head on as well. A lot of legal challenges are happening. But this is a clarion call for much of the country. I think people see what's happening in places like Magic Valley, Idaho, and they say that we don't want this because we see the vast shortcomings, the energy inefficiencies that'll result from this, the fact that it'll very much overwhelm the electric grid. People have seen what happens when you transition or transition somewhat to solar and wind, and you have a crisis like in Texas and some other places, and they tell you to conserve your energy when you don't need to, uh, when these are not on the electric grid. And so what is your warning to others in rural communities across the country who see what you guys are battling with the, the valiant fight you're putting up to stop this and they are starting to be approached with similar projects so what would you want to leave for my listeners about how to fight this and and do you guys plan to pursue legal action if after the 60-day comment period from the eis happens and it proceeds do you plan to co come together and, and file some sort of suit to stop this um you want me to go first <laughs> My yeah, absolutely. We're not we're not giving up. You know, as far as stop lava ridge and stuff, we're just you know um, we're in this for the long haul. We we don't want these projects on our uh, on our on our federal lands on our public grounds. Uh, you know, litigation. You know, after if the BLM, okay, I'm going to go if because I am going to hold out a little bit of faith that they will do the right thing and choose no action. That's my ultimate hope, but. Um, even if they choose no action, we are still going to stay together to um, help fight Salmon Falls and Taurus and all these other federal projects. The people that have joined Lava Ridge that I have talked to, we're in it for the long haul. We, we've got to protect our, our thing. So um, once they approve it, you got mitigation, you got litigation. And um, mitigation just basically is licking your wounds because you lost. And, and that's not, not the way um, 
that's not, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I don't know all the legal system and all how it's all going to play out. Um, I'm still hoping to get the governor um, and the rest of the state of Idaho to, to stand up for Idaho's right and stand up for what the people of Idaho want, not not what the, the big money says. Um, as far as what to tell everybody else, I don't know. You know, we haven't won yet. Um, so, um, but the thing that they could do to help us is get involved is everybody has to, you know, quit and just say, well, it's not going to affect me that much. And that, that with that attitude, we'll lose. We've got to get involved. You've got to get your politicians to listen to you, you know, that, um, election, whatever else, if they're, if they're pushing for this kind of stuff and if they're, we got to vote them out. We've got to get people in that are going to stand up for our our rights and the people that are in there that are helping us stand up. We've got to support them, and and then we've got to support each other. You know, join our Facebook page. Join whatever. I don't care where you live. You know, join join our Facebook page. Um, uh, and the, the people at, at Stop Lava Ridge. I tell them the same thing. You've got to look in these other counties and these other places. They're going on all over the United States. Um, Follow what they're doing, uh, support them when you, where you can. Um, and, and we've got to come together as a, as a, as a nation to, to say, Hey, you know, it, it's a tough deal because they, they are tooting this as the greenness and the solution to all of our, our pollution problems. And that just isn't the way it is. And, and we can see that. And I mean, I got friends in Kansas that was talking about windmills the other day and, and, and the problems they're having. Um, and, and how they're trying to stop them. And, and so even though if you live in Kansas or Idaho or, or New York or wherever, we've all got to come together to stand up against this big money. And, and that's the only way I can see us prevailing. <laughs> well, besides the three projects for Magic Valley, Orsted is looking to and putting up Met Towers for a 100,000 acre project in Owyhee County. Uh, Lava Ridge to me is the they're testing water of Idaho and what we'll put up with. And I think we need to really focus on the Lava Ridge project and getting it shut down so that the others won't fall in place. Then with the Lava Ridge project, they have to put in another transmission line, a 500 um, kilowatt transmission line that goes by Dean's place. It was supposed to go around, um, let's see, it was supposed to go through the Minidoka Historical Monument, but they had have it going kind of around it. It still will be in the view shed. Then it crosses the Snake River Plain over the river and through over the canyon, then crosses a lot of private land and a lot of the private landowners didn't even know that they had that this right away was a viable right away for uh to be developed because it was approved clear back in the 90s that anyways it, a lot of things have happened since the 90s this these big projects have been in the works for decades by speculators and it's just not good for our state. There are a few landowners, private landowners that had end dates to this right of way lease, but most of them didn't. 
It was an open-ended lease. And so whoever bought that right away has the rights. And that isn't right. There should be a statute on some of that stuff. And you can't, you shouldn't be able to sell property without having who is on the right away. And this right away has changed hands. Now people that have bought ranches have to deal with another transmission line going through their property. It's just not right. I appreciate you both coming on the podcast to give listeners a debrief on what is happening in your little slice of paradise, kind of serving as a warning for others who may be enticed by these attractive deals from out-of-state so-called clean energy companies that come in and create these shell entities and try to swindle you guys and offer you attractive deals. And it comes at the toll, of course, of kind of the integrity of the region. They play into people's emotions. They may say, well, we'll increase the value of land. We'll offer this. And then it turns out to be obviously not what it's talked about and not what it's made up to be, despite all the the nice promises and things of that sort. So I appreciate you both coming on and, and talking about this. this is not the last we'll talk about Lava Ridge. I have some more reports coming out and I'm hoping people will see the report featuring you, Dean, and, and the other stakeholders, Diana, that you connected us to and really draw attention to this and, and how other special areas across the country could similarly be threatened by projects like Lava Ridge. So, Lava Ridge. so thank you both for coming on to District of Conservation to update us. Can I say thank you? Um, that's huge. We That's one of the things that we really, really struggle with is how to get the word out, how to get people aware. And you are doing a phenomenal job. And I appreciate you traveling all the way to Idaho. It was fun to meet you. Um, but the work that you're doing is helping us tremendously. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and please keep it up. We'll do that. Anything thank you, Diana? Thank you, Gabrielle. And thank you to CFAT for sponsoring this um, I, from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.